everyone to the flash podcast dedicated to the hit cw television series the flash today we'll be covering the episode entitled the trap and if cisco were here he'd probably throw in an admiral akbar reference with that title (laughs) but he's not here however but with us today of course is andy and our special guest host russ from comicbook.com hello gentlemen hello how you doing i'm doing well all right well before we get into uh, today's episode, we do have a little bit of news to catch up on related to the Arrow Flash spinoff. And Andy, you are going to let us know what we know now. Yeah, so last week, I believe, the um, comicbook.com, uh, which I'm, Russ, I, I don't know if you've heard of that website, but they reported <laughs> last week that uh, Franz Drummy has been cast as a new character or quotation marks, new character called Jay Jackson, a former high school athlete whose pro career was derailed by injury. Now making ends meet as an auto mechanic, Jay will come to have a surprising affiliation to the Star Labs crew. Now, they're keeping his superhero identity a mystery, and a lot of people are speculating that Jay Jackson could be a cover name for some something else, and uh, that they want to save it as a big surprise. Um, although that's not really CW's like get go. They they don't usually do something like that. It's Marvel that usually does it a lot, like when their TV shows. But so this was kind of a big surprise that they would just be so like they you know they do keep secrets, but this was just like. So now we're just going to have this cover name, because I don't think this is his real name, but um, uh, I haven't seen this actor before. I, I believe he's um, uh, he's from Edge of Tomorrow. So, um, But what do you guys think? Uh, Russ, since you're a guest, what do you think about uh, this casting? Like, What speculation have you had with, uh, with this since it was announced? It's always interesting to see how people react to things like this when they try to keep it a mystery. Um, because, you know, for instance... Uh, I thought that I was really smart back when um, they referred, you know, when they were casting Blue Beetle and they called, or when they casting, were casting the Atom and they called him Dan. And so we were all like, ooh, but that's Dan Garrett, which means this is going to be the Blue Beetle. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody kind of jumped on that bandwagon. Um, a lot of my readers immediately jumped to characters that I think are really kind of unlikely. Like a lot of my readers jumped to Cyborg, who I think is borderline impossible, because he's not only appearing in the feature films, but also in, presumably, Titans. Um, I don't remember if he's ever been confirmed for Titans or not, but we're assuming. I heard he was excluded from Titans because of the films. Oh, was he? Because of the films? Well, in any event, if that's true, then even more so, he's not going to be on the CW. Um, But uh, the, the the really interesting one that I heard was Booster Gold, because... 
there are some interesting parallels. Um, you know, the idea that he's a, uh, a, a an athlete whose promising pro career was derailed. Here you're saying by an accident. In Booster's case, it would have, you know, he his mother got sick and he threw he threw some games and got caught gambling. Um, and obviously with Rip Hunter on the show, the the thing with that is that it seems a little bit redundant. Like it it, it would be. I personally, I'm a huge, huge Booster Gold fan, and I would like nothing more than to see him on television, um, especially in the hands of producers who I like and trust. But um, as as interesting as that guess is, and I think it, it's definitely interesting to talk about, I, I don't think that that's it either. Um, so it's uh, my gut is to say he probably is a genuinely new character with shades of an old one or a new character who's using a familiar uh, name. You know, for instance, Craig over at Green Arrow TV speculated that it would be, uh, that the mystery hero could be uh, Jason Rush and that it would just be a different Firestorm. Uh, And that kind of thing, like making him a legacy character of some kind, introducing your own character and then just giving him the superhero name of somebody else, like that probably to me seems the most likely. And that would make it really, really hard in advance to guess accurately. Yeah, I, I I read that his um, article he did a few weeks ago, and I I kind of liked that you know maybe it's gonna be Jason and whatnot. So I I really wanted it to be Static Shock though, and I know there's this what do we call it, a digital series that they were doing for some new Warner platform, but we haven't heard a thing since that announcement. You know the thing about that is with um, with Milestone Media restarting themselves. I'm curious to know whether DC, like, I, I don't know that DC owned the rights to any of the Milestorm characters, free and clear. And if Milestorm Media is trying to, or Milestone Media is trying to make themselves a viable independent entity, um, I don't know that it wouldn't be too difficult to make a Static Shock series work to be worthwhile, especially if it's just a web series, which. I mean, I don't know anything about the economics of it, but I would assume that the margins for a web series are smaller than they are for a feature or a network show or something like that. Um, Scott, do, what do you what do you think? Um, like, do you think this is like Russ said that this is a complete new character just taking on, a you know someone else's you know identity from the comic books, like a legacy character? Or what, what do you think is going on here? You know, I, I I'm not, I'm not entirely sure nor entirely worried about it at this stage of the game i mean i as i've said before so much of this stuff is kind of what russ is alluding to people jump on it and we immediately try to figure something out and ends up eight times out of ten being something completely different um and then you know considering how these shows tend to go you know a little different from uh you know what happens in the comic books you know really anything's possible so you know i for the most part, I just sit back and just let them reveal it versus trying to figure a lot of those uh, things out. And, uh, you know, they're, they've they uh, done a pretty good job kind of throwing curveball after curveball when it comes to how this uh, spinoff show is going to work and how it fits anyway. So it's just another piece to that puzzle. Um, since you were gone at Celebration that week when we were talk- talking about it, and I want to get your take as well on this, Russ, um, this supposed title... Legends of Mara. What do you, what do you think of that? Do you, like, do you would you want the title to be, be that for the spin-off, or what do you think? Um, well, I kind of I kind of look at it 
um, the same way, I mean, you mentioned Celebration. I kind of look at it the same way as I did when they announced The Force Awakens. Um, I, I heard that title and thought, well, I didn't realize The Force had been asleep all this time. <laughs> I didn't really know what to make of that title. And we, we thought, you know, as it relates to sometimes titles, you don't think initially that it's all that snappy. But then by the time we got done talking about it, we realized, well, you know what? Because at that time, we hadn't even seen the first teaser yet. We said, well, you know, we, we haven't seen anything. So if, how are we to decide whether the title works or not? And now that we've seen two teasers, you can kind of see what they might be alluding to when it comes to awakenings. And I would have, I would approach this the same way. I mean, we just know so little about what we're going to see and how it officially ties in and and everything else that it's you know it's it, it again it's not the probably the coolest title we've ever heard but you got to figure it's if that is what they're going to call it it's got a purpose and we just don't know it yet. Russ, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I, I feel very much the same way. I think that I mean it's an odd choice for a title to me, not least of all because uh, look, I liked the Tomorrow People as much as the next guy. I really enjoyed that show, but having a Greg Berlanti show with Tomorrow in the title. Uh, hit the airwaves two years after a Greg Berlanti show with Tomorrow and the title was canceled on the same network is kind of odd. Um, and, and so the title is, strikes me as a bit weird. Uh, and like Scott said, like kind of without context seems kind of apropos of nothing because you don't know why that would be a title that makes sense other than the fact that Rip Hunter's involved, so time travel's involved, and so yay. Um, but certainly it's not a it's not a terrible title. I mean, I, and and I also I, I I tend to be a lot less concerned with titles. Like as long as it's not god awful. As like as long as it's not something that you like. Dark Knight Three: The Master Race. I I heard that announcement and I'm like, who in the world greenlit that? <laughs> How did that happen? Especially because like, the guy who writes you know who's writing this book, his last published work was wildly racist and widely criticized for that and so you're sitting here going like how did nobody stop that train um so once in a while you know you get something like that but overall i think that uh, especially with this group of creators they've done really well with titles like you look at an episode title like even tonight's episode um you know the trap obviously has a double meaning and in oftentimes you get these kind of abstract titles um, that turn out to have some really deep meaning. And uh, so if, if it's me, even if it seems a little bit odd, I'm not too, too worried about it because uh, historically speaking, they've had some odd episode titles on these shows and it always comes back around to something that makes a little bit of sense and usually gets a name drop to make it really evident. Interesting. Well, um, the upfront is taking place in you know in less than a few weeks now, so we will we'll keep you up uh, with all the latest news with um, not just Air on the Flash, but also this uh, this mysterious spinoff. All right. Well, actually, getting into the episode that we've seen this week, called as we just said, the trap. Um, it's a trap. <laughs> yes, it's a trap. <laughs> um, you know, right out of the gate, boy, did they they really threw a bunch of stuff at us just in that little room with, uh, you know, we were finding everything out, actually some things for the first time along with the rest of the group uh, that were actually in the little uh, time travel room. It's a fascinating situation, um, especially when Gideon starts to interact with Barry, and it just it just gets weirder and weirder, but at the same time a lot more fascinating. Um, 
you know, they noticed some of the things in the article. Um, one of the things that obviously stood out to everybody was Iris's last name being Allen. Uh, the other thing I thought was cool was um, when Gideon was explaining that she knew who Barry Allen was, and she started to say the na- started to say the sentence a founding member of, <laughs> and got uh, cut off. Um, but that was uh, well, and if you- I mean that really, huh? Uh, I was gonna. If you saw the, uh, you know, those official one-page comic teasers that they do every week. Yep. On the Facebook page, um, on on the the one-page teaser comic, it was actually founding member of the Justice, and then she got cut off. Ah. So in the script, it was apparently even more of a teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a nice touch to to loop in there with everything else that was going on. Um, but I mean, we they, all of us really found out a lot and really started to get a lot more familiar with um, just all of the little details that some of which we've been wondering about all season. We knew that was going to happen in this episode, but they managed to fit a lot just in that little scene alone to start things off. I, I like that we got. Um, if you zoom in really close on the the article page, you get um, they they refer to Arrow now as Green Arrow, and we get the first mention of Hawkgirl in the. In this universe, that well, to to get to come, you know, like they're mm-hmm. so like I I was like oh they 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 mentioned her and that was kind of cool, and then so, you know what that's Cisco's now going to be able to name her because now he has the perfect name in his head. <laughs> well, I also like the fact that uh, they named you know they they named the Atom and they named uh, Arrow, the Green Arrow and and Hawk Girl. There was no mention of Rip Hunter. Um, which to me, like, on the one hand, this newspaper uh, was clearly set, like, you know, planting seeds for people. Um, on the other hand, my favorite iteration of the Time Masters are where they're secret. And so, uh, presumably, when he shows up in this upcoming spin off series, uh, he won't be a guy who advertises uh, what he's doing. But I, I like that we got a sense now, like, what this this version of the DC Comics universe in the future looks like with some of these characters and that that this battle that they had um, Aelborn and Barry was does feel pretty, pretty similar to what we what we may have seen already in comic books and so on. But it was just nice to get a bigger sense of a DC universe with you know Green Arrow to add like you know they're making headlines now they're making in net, net magazine stuff like that right now in the t- time we are in they're just referring to it as oh the vigilante or you know man in iron suit or something like that yeah i, I definitely I, I think that one of the things that's great about the flash is that they are able in a way that arrow has struggled with to embrace the dc universe um you know the innate ridiculousness of comics um, is part of what makes them fun. And things like you know, shows like Arrow, movies that are in that same vein, like the Dark Knight movies, they really struggle with that ridiculousness. Um, even this season, when you look at Arrow, there are a small vocal group of fans who are really struggling with, you know, the Lazarus Pit and the immortal Rothel Ghoul and, and things like that. And and so I think the Flash has been a it, it's a great venue to be able to say, like, yeah, this is what this is the world we're heading towards. 
Scott, if I may ask you a question, so because you know you you know you you're not that much of a big comic person, so do you like kind of seeing when we're when we're talking about that you know a universe where it's starting to become a little bit more comic booky on on both sides? You mean just for the Flash? But a Flash, but also a little bit for Arrow, though, because you know this seeing what's going on in this, in this future that means that Arrow is probably going to be affected in the same way at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think the Flash has done a really solid job in in kind of pacing out um, when they're going to when they introduce something and when they're going to make something a major plot point to run for a while. Um, case in point, I mean, we saw the broken um, a cell jail cell of Gorilla Grodd. I think the very first episode, and they've teased him a couple of times just to remind you that he's there. And then you, you you know that he's gonna set some things up as we wrap up the first season. Meanwhile, they've they've managed to, um, you know, introduce people at the right times, introduce elements of Barry's powers at the right times, and now we're we're really um, getting all the answers we've won from Doctor Wells and Reverse Flash, and how it really fits into some of the more stories that people are familiar with. Um, you know, Arrow's gone some has you know i think has really kind of gotten lost a little bit in the uh rachel ghoul storyline you you know i was thinking the other day that it's gotten so dark and it's gotten so uh down on that show that i almost think about that hbo series about the rapture i can't remember the name of it uh you know where you know everybody was taken to heaven and it's about everybody else is just kind of still there and it's all depressing and people complain about uh how you know there's never hope (laughs) it's just one episode another of just pure depression and in a sense i think arrow has has gone this long streak of just one bad thing after another happening and um i'm really kind of ready for them to kind of kind of tell us what they're officially doing with the rachel ghoul storyline um you know especially considering i have to figure that um, you know the show's not going to go from Arrow to Raish, so or Roz, uh, uh, however you pr- prefer to say it. Um, so I just w- I'm kind of ready for that whole thing to just kind of wrap up and and move on. Whereas I think the Flash has done a really good job of knowing how long to stick with certain things and move on to the next thing and bring other elements in that they teased us with before. So I think there's been some much better balance in the Flash. Um, at least this half of the season, I I got um, shocked that um, that it was revealed that Barry had created um, Gideon. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost said Gan once again. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I I want those two together, but we have to remember Alice. Um, as I'm a geek inside joke. Um, but um, what what how how. What does this mean now? Like, you know, do you think that there's a chance that he may actually get control of her at some point? Uh, one of the things that struck me immediately after after they left the room, when she had that big grin with uh, <clears throat> with uh, Wells, and that later on would be reinforced by the fact that he was playing them for, for the whole episode. I wonder if that's true. Like, I wonder if she may have told Barry that that was the case because she wants to ingratiate herself to Barry and to have Barry relying on her for information and potentially giving her information and, and to be in a position to be able to pull the rug out from under him. 
Uh, like, I wonder if that's part of the plan. Um, and, and maybe that's conspiratorial, but, you know, the, especially, like I said, at the end of the episode when it's like, okay, yes, uh, you know, Eobar Thawne has known the whole time and he's been playing you. Um, it really reinforced what did that big smile she gave him mean? And to me, I'm wondering whether she was telling Barry what he wanted to hear. Hmm, I... I didn't, I didn't really think I didn't really think that far into it. I I just thought that okay, it's you know she you know she's an AI and she's you know you know she has she must be weird at some point. But um, um, Scott, what do you think? I, I'm not reading. I mean, I I think it, anything's possible. I'm not reading a whole lot into it at this point, just because. You know, we we took in a lot of information this episode, especially as it relates trying to keep up with all the elements of time travel. So I would just rather figure it out when they show it to me at this stage of the game when they're ready for us to find out what that connection really is all about. But we we did get a lot more out of this episode. Um, One of the things that we saw happen um, or that we had a chance to look back on on more than one occasion in this episode was the flashback to Barry's coma. Um, we, we saw the moment where Joe had to make a decision, um, to put him, put Barry into Dr. Wells's hands. And then we saw Dr. Wells's little, uh, visit with him after he pretty much, uh, saved his life out of necessity and, and found out uh, a little more about what happened at that moment. Um, what did you guys take away from the, uh, flashbacks, um, to those early days when Barry was in his coma. Honestly, the, the biggest thing that, that jumped out at me, which was just a dumb kind of fun thing, but not more than it was super important to the story, was the fact that Joe was watching news reports coming out of the riots in Starling City at the end of Arrow Season 2. Um, I thought that was a nice touch. I, t- I'm, I totally um, missed that. <clears throat> yeah, the News 52 reports were the, you know, the, the Deathstroke riots. And so that, like, I thought that was a nice touch. Um, I thought that uh, Jesse L. Martin and uh, uh, Carlos Valdez both really hit it out of the park this week because they had not a ton of screen time and they really, really used it to their advantage. And I thought that the flashbacks, especially, were where uh, Jesse Martin just uh, just nailed it. Um, so you know, I, I thought that it was really great to see. You know, we, it's been a while since we got a real good jesse as the dad moment like that's it's something that is easy to forget because the focus on vindicating henry allen is so strong <clears throat> i am um, i i also like the flashbacks a lot and so and that's something i remember asking greg Belanti last year at comic con that i that if we would ever see what was happening between barry you know being struck and then you know Barry waking up and his answer was like I, we haven't actually really thought about that so we may actually end up using that so um, I don't know if I want to take credit for it but you know whatever but it was nice I, I like you said I like um, th- you know what Candace and Jesse got to do and uh, I, 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 I cared more about Candace scene with the grant and when she was expressing you know everything she was going through and that you know, she felt like, you know, her family was torn apart again because Barry was kind of the light that brought, you know, after whatever happened to, to their mom, um, whether it was a divorce or 
you know, she died or whatever, he kind of brought back the light and brought them back, you know, those people, those two together as a family. So that really spoke to me a lot. And I, like you said, I think that was a great scene for Candace. And she, she was, she had a lot of good things to do in this episode. And uh, I, I think we'll get to that a little bit later. But I, you know, I enjoyed the flashbacks. And it's, you know, for someone who's been struggling with the flashbacks on Arrow this season, it was nice to just get good flashbacks on some some of these on one of these shows yeah i'm struggling with those flashbacks too because mark singer's not in them enough but that's <laughs> another story <laughs> uh the thing that really struck me i think more than anything in the flashbacks was um you know we've seen dr wells and it was even alluded to in this episode about how even though he's doing this pretty evil thing uh, and was responsible um, for uh, the death of Barry's mom, that he has these moments, even though he's pretending to be someone else, since Thon is pretending to be the Dr. You know, uh, Harrison Wells, that he has these moments where he just seems really kind and really nice and really inspirational. And, and even as us as audience have known that there was something weird about him, even in the early, early going, he would have those moments. And we've talked about it on the show before where he would say these really kind and inspirational things to his team members, even did that a little bit here. But you know, that last flashback scene where he basically just lays out his, uh, hatred for Barry (laughs) and how he plans on killing him. I mean, I thought, you know, that's when you really see, you know, you really got a, a, you know, a good sense of, you know, yeah, the, the, the rivalry between these two on this show uh, for probably uh, the first time listening to Wells talk like that because we haven't heard him talk like that, um, you know, uh, at least not to Barry especially. And granted, Barry's not listening, but still just in that context, I thought was pretty powerful at that moment considering the way we've seen Wells interact with Barry and everybody else in the team up to that point. Yeah, that was pretty... Like That was... Even though he has been pretty villainous this whole season, that that was kind of like the first time when he straight up went malicious on his ass and, you know, said, I hate you. We've done this so many times. And it was, you know, just seeing you here, you know, the baby face and all that, I, I could kill you right now. But he's like, he wants to prolong in that, which is a very iconic character move from reverse flash whether it's eobard or hunter so i am um, no i i i completely agree with you scott well the other um element to this as they began to set this trap of course was the you know we we see plenty of technology in this show and we saw it again today with these cool glasses that allow you uh, to kind of navigate through your dreams and uh, be able to talk to everybody and tell you what's tell them what's going on that are on the outside. Um, I I don't know if I wasn't on Twitter at the time, but I was you know during the whole dream sequence with Cisco. I could adju- I just for some reason had this sense that Twitter was lighting up asking if J.J. Abrams had directed those scenes because of all the like lens flash <laughs> type stuff in the dream sequence or something. Uh, but um, it was still kind of a cool moment and kind of tense there too. It almost, you know, ended up, I, I couldn't help but, you know, all the classic references and eighties references that are in there. I was waiting for Cisco to make a nightmare in Elm street type um, reference, considering that at one point in time, he thought, you know, if he died in his dream, he would die in real life. Um, it was a pretty, pretty intense scene and, uh, 
but it was really cool how they how they pulled it off and and were able to walk through everything that happened in in that memory that somehow Cisco's held on to that day that Barry, um, you know, uh, impacted time travel. Well, I think you know, for me and Russ, who you know, because I I think I know exactly what Russ was thinking about the whole time when that was happening. It was like, oh my god, those classes look so much like vibe. Well, and they didn't they just recently tease that you are going to see vibe before the end of the season. I've been hearing about Kill Frost, but I don't know. Have I missed something? Maybe. Uh, this morning, Greg Berlanti tweeted. Um, your teasers for the final four episodes, and it was hashtag Grod the Rogues vibe and something else I can't remember what. Oh, I saw yeah. that, but I thought like so. There, so there wasn't like an, an it wasn't an interview or anything like that, or no, it was literally just him teasing it. Uh, in yeah. uh, well, well, shame on me for so there. Not, you go. <laughs> I thought I, I thought there was something more to it, but um, no, I. I enjoyed seeing that too, and so I liked them. And this is gonna sound really weird, but I just like the color tones of his surroundings because, like, it felt like it was like a digital world, but at the same time, it was he was somewhat there. But I kind of liked how the whole atmosphere looked like. But um, I have I like weird things. Shut up. Um, and um, no, yeah. So it was. But it was so creepy because, like, even though we know that okay, he's not gonna die again, but just having to see him relive that moment again was painful for me as a viewer. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a really good job of not pulling any punches in that first episode. Um, and you know, there were there were a lot of people on social media after that episode who were talking about how they felt traumatized even after the time travel undid the the death. And at the time, it did seem like kind of an oddly dark thing for a show as bright as The Flash. But I think it was an investment in the future. Because I think that as a result of that punch in the gut that that episode left people with, they've now been able to kind of go back to that well a few times and evoke that feeling without having to go dark again, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just keep expecting every time that scene happens that somehow Harrison is going to somewhat get Cisco powers. I don't know how it wouldn't make any sense, but I just keep expecting that. Yeah, they, I mean, you? they certainly... Oh, sorry. That's all right. I was just wondering if either of you saw, you know, the uh, the plan that Harrison pulled off there with the shapeshifter being Harrison at that moment. Or if that took you by surprise. You know, I... Uh, I saw it I it took me by surprise in the moment but as soon as I saw it happen it made perfect sense because the way they cut one of those the last 5 episodes kind of trailers they did a while back um there was a shot where you saw Harrison Wells um and then immediately afterwards you saw every man turning into his kind of weird shapeshifter form there. And it had been cut together in such a way, even though they were not, it wasn't from this episode. Um, it had, those two shots have been cut together in such a way that I have been waiting all season or not all season, but for the last three or four weeks to see the moment when every man turned into Wells and why that would be and what form it would take. 
And so I didn't see it coming this episode, but as soon as it happened, I was like, ah, yeah, that, of course. Um, because for some reason, just the way the trailer was cut, I really thought that that was going to happen. I got somewhat surprised, but, you know, I kept thinking, well, you know, of course he isn't dead because it's only episode 20. We still have three more weeks. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, yeah, I was surprised, but I, then I realized, but of course it, there has to be something to it because why would they kill him now when there's a three more episodes? It's interesting to me how many, um, uh, how, it's interesting to me what characters are considered kind of valuable and viable for the future and not. Like, Everyman was a character, you know, that Jeff Johns had a hand in creating, and for a long time after 52, they really tried to make that character be a thing that people cared about. And uh, and so, on the TV show, when he popped up again, I thought, oh, well, this is Jeff Johns' chance to show that this character was really... Uh, that, that, that that was time well spent and that this character, you know, that we're all missing something, that this character can be awesome. And apparently it was no, it was it was just their opportunity to have a shapeshifter for an episode and a half and then get rid of him. Um, so, so it's interesting to me, and it's the same kind of thing with Stag. It's like the idea of Simon Stag being killed almost immediately. Um, you know, it, it, it's just fascinating to me to look at what villains they decide okay, this guy goes away after an episode, you know? Yeah, that's actually something that Scott commented a lot about in the first half, which I completely agreed with, which was, it was getting tiring of seeing that, well, here's a new, you know, we, and I'm used to the whole Monster of the Week, Villain of the Week, and so mm-hmm. on, but it's like when you're dealing with them in like the DC Universe, especially like characters like Everyman and so on, you should have them around for, you know, a recurring capacity you know it could be in maybe not season two but maybe in season three so it's like they it seems a lot of them are getting killed off and at this point i'm wondering well is it because the movies suddenly now want them that shot and uh, or is it because they just don't see the value of using them for multiple episodes they just want to try and move on to something else i i'm still trying to figure that whole thing out because it's like well the, the 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 pure the purity of the comics is that you know, these villains can come back, and that, you know, in, after issue 22, this villain comes back and whatnot. So it's like, it, it's, it is confusing to me how, why they keep killing off some of these great characters like Plastic. I'm still upset about that. I still want her to come back. But, yeah, I guess life isn't, it doesn't always give you what you want. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think I will be really interested to see how much things are altered by the uh, by whatever time travel happens this season. You know, uh, they had those remarks at some show recently about how uh, they were pitching Tom Cavanaugh on season two ideas. And so I had, you know, to me, I'm like, I can't help but wonder whether, you know, Wells will be back next season in some capacity, be it as the villain or as actually Harrison Wells, because they change something when they time travel. And, and so to me, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by how that kind of thing plays out. Like, I, I always want to see, like, okay, so if we are going to time travel, um, does that mean that some of these pieces on the board will be set back up that were knocked down? Because, I mean, theoretically... Everything that everything that Thawne has done 
in the last decade has been creating anomalies in the time stream and has been really bad for the space-time continuum. Uh, and, and so to me, like, I, I, anytime I think too hard about, like, oh, man, I really wish they hadn't killed this character, my next thought is, like, well, who knows if they stay dead because, like, there's time travel and a lot of what we've done in the show so far could legitimately be undone. You know, especially when you have, you know, Rip Hunter Time Master showing up in the spinoff series. Uh, and it, it it gets to the point where you're speculating so much that it's ridiculous and that, it, you know, it's <laughs> it, it's a conversation that's almost not worth having. But when when you do have that thing of like, man, I wish they hadn't killed this person. My next thought is always like, well, let's wait, see what see what it looks like this time next season, because maybe she won't really be dead. Good point. Well, and there were a couple of elements uh, related to time travel here that we saw a few weeks back that somehow made their way around. Obviously, one of those things would be uh, Cisco replaying out what happened uh, between him and Dr. Wells. But the other thing was, you know, when uh, Barry had his first uh, run in with time travel, he revealed himself uh, as Barry Allen and the Flash to Iris and basically told her. Uh, his uh, actual identity there, and then of course erased that and reversed it when when everything's changed back. But nonetheless, here we are, and she's figured out that <laughs> after all this time, she's managed to figure out uh, that uh, Barry is the Flash, and it was all because of that little electric shock that she experienced um, when Barry was in the coma. Hey, that was feel- romantic. Don't and don't feeling it again, huh? <laughs> Don't you mess with that. That was. That- I'm not really messing with it. I'm just surprised that you know I, I've I've spent more time poking fun at the the, the fact she hadn't figured it out before now. Uh, but it was an interesting interesting way to to uh, bring it back around and give her another way to figure it out. You know, my biggest problem with the the iris thing as it stands right now is I have really enjoyed. This season on both Flash and Arrow, I've enjoyed how mature people have been about this stuff. Like, you know, Eddie Thawne, when he finds out about the Flash, he handled it really well. And same thing with Thea when she found out about the Arrow. Oh, that was such a great payoff. That made it worth three seasons. Yeah, it really, it really, uh, my problem is that all the comments that the man, that the uh, producers have been making seem to indicate that Iris will take this very personally and she's going to be angry at Eddie and angry at Joe and angry at Barry and you're sitting here going okay it's episode 20 now which means we're probably going to carry that nonsense through to next season and I'm just like come on I don't want that it's just not like the the secret the secret identity stuff is the least compelling part of superheroes to me it's just so annoying and so I, I like I'm I'm just dreading next week now because like now that she knows I'm just like okay so now we're gonna have the mandatory six week period and I just can't take it. <laughs> yeah, and we and this was after we had to get through that thing last week where it was r- r- extremely forced her forcing uh, the argument at dinner. Um, between her and Eddie that was just so out of the blue, so uncomfortable and so uh, uncharacteristic of most people. Um, so if we're going to have to have things like that again, it, it is going to be uh, uncomfortable and like you say, unnecessary. I mean, I realize that all this stuff has to kind of fall apart, but 
you know, I just, yeah, kind of like what you guys are saying. They've done things so well in setting things up in kind of a more mature and realistic fashion. It'd be nice if if we could kind of minimize those hiccups every once in a while to not last as long and and kind of, you know, let it get past so we can get to everything else that we want to get to. And just skip the drama altogether because, like, you know, I and like I said, people should know, people know I love, love, love Iris West and I love Candace Patton just as much. So, trust me, I when I get upset about things like that, it's not because I hate the character. It's because I, I, I feel like the writer kind of, and it does feel someone's kind of this, the old CW formula. I still feel like Don Ostrow's Ostroff or whatever her last name was, she still lives through some of these shows, and that some of her, I'm well, I feel like sometimes they they, they just they just have to do some of these unnecessary things just to check off their list and be like, okay, now we can just, you know, let's focus on bringing this relationship back to what it is because I don't want Iris and Barry to fight. I don't want her to be upset with everyone. I I'm gonna you know. At this point, I feel like Iris is someone that really, really values trust, and I and I think it has a lot to do with her mom being gone. I think she may have done something like that because may have done something that has caused Iris now to be very protective. And when you betray her like that, it's going to be upsetting. So, um, but but it, you know, I just like the spark thing that it was that he didn't really need to tell her like you know, Iris, I'm the Flash. That she remembers something very deep and important from that horrible time when she had to see you know the or, you know her best friend in a hospital bed for 9 months. Yes, I'm a West Allen fan and I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> well, you know, another element um, you know outside of all the <clears throat> questions people had about Dr. Wells and who he really is and what is he trying to do, the other thing that people were talking about early on was the fact that you know Eddie and his last name and then of course after we find out uh, Eobard and his last name, we immediately started to think, okay, well, there's the connection. <laughs> and it was kind of what everybody thought. And they just, you know, it was just a matter of being right about, you know, who Harrison Wells was. But they have a scene in this episode where he uh, introduces himself um, as Eobard Thon and doesn't take Eddie long to figure out that they have the same last name. And uh, pretty interesting exchange they had. What did you guys take away from that exchange between? Uh, the two thons. You know, the 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 only thing that really, like, I, I, I thought it was really well done for the most part. The one thing that I thought was kind of hilarious um, unintentionally was when Eddie was like, you have my name. Why do you have my name? <laughs> and Well, I, let's I, remember, he had just been pulled down to the sewer, and he was probably yeah, still yeah. in I, shock. I, I understand, but here's my thing. What it sounded like to me was uh, there was an episode of The Simpsons years ago where Homer was watching television and it was a cop show and one of the cops was named Homer Simpson and Homer just looks at the TV and he goes his name is my name <laughs> and that's like that's all I could hear when Eddie when Eddie said why do you have my name and I'm just like okay so you just became Homer Simpson in my brain and I can't take it back now oh my god <laughs> oh my god he just compared Eddie Font to Homer Simpson <laughs> <laughs> tidbit on Twitter, tidbit of this week's episode of The Flash. We somehow make Rick Cosnett's character feel similar to Homer Simpson. This is not. <laughs> now you just need to create an image of Eddie with the words, don't! 
Yeah. And bald, and he's like overweight, and he's like eating donuts. Oh no, no, he, I, I want him to. I want him to be pretty. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> Um, well, that that was that was the only criticism I had of it, and it was just the first thing that popped into my head. I couldn't get it out of there for the whole scene, unfortunately. I mean, um, did I miss did I miss something, or did did they did they explain exactly how they're related? He said insurance. He like you're my insurance, and I'm like, but that doesn't really. It's like, what does this mean? Is he gonna if Harrison, you know, if Eobard ever dies, he, is he just gonna take over? Eddie, like take his form or whatnot to survive, or what? What does it mean? That I didn't really know it either. Yeah, I'm not certain. I mean, here's the thing: uh, they have been baby stepping towards actually revealing that Eobard Thawne is from the 25th century and that he's the version of the Reverse Flash from the comics. Um, they still haven't quite come out 100 percent on that, but you know, we moved this episode from him saying, you know, if you noticed. Even in the previous episode, uh, he said he kept saying "my world," and he did imply that he was from the future by saying things like "you people have been dead for centuries." But uh, he, it, it was very, it is an odd phrase to me that they kept saying "my world," and so this time to have him openly acknowledge that he's from the future um, is a step in the direction of establishing his mythology. Um, so I think that we'll get to see what he wants out of Eddie next episode. That said, um, the insurance thing can be a couple of things. It could be what you're talking about in terms of taking Eddie's place. It could also just as easily be, um, you know, in the comics, the Thawne family do have a connection to the Speed Force. Um, partially because uh, Malcolm Thawne, who is the contemporary of Barry Allen. So the Thawne who is of Barry's generation, which in the TV show would be Eddie, um, is Barry's biological twin brother. Um, I sincerely doubt they will do that because evil twin, I don't know. It's just a little bit much, (laughs) but even removing the evil twin element of the equation, it could be that, the Thawne family has some kind of connection to the Speed Force and that if everything goes to hell and he has to kill Barry too early, maybe he believes that he can somehow connect to the Speed Force using Eddie and force Eddie to be his whatever. Um, like, that was the only thing I could think of in terms of, like, literally being an insurance policy is that um, if something goes wrong and he either gets defeated by Barry or he has to kill Barry... Maybe he believes that the Thawne family connection to the Speed Force will will help him in some way. Well, I am. Um, I don't have anything else to add about this episode. Um, just I, I thought it was it was as good as people had hyped it to be, and um, I'm. I want to see next week's episode because oh my god, Girl Abroad. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's my funny. God. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because it's so hard to like I, I'm going to be really interested to see how casual fans and TV exclusive fans respond to next week's episode because you know my wife enjoys the show she's not a big comic book person um, but you know she enjoys the show for the most part and when I said to her very excitedly yeah next week's going to be grod and she gave me this blank expression and I was like <laughs> 
it's a psychic gorilla. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, good. Hopefully I'll be giving birth during that. Wow. Um, uh, and so, so uh, you know, it, it's going to be, it's, it's interesting to me to see, my, my wife is always an interesting person for me to bounce things off of because she represents normal people who haven't been immersed in the comics community for their entire lives. Like, you know, the first time she ever heard the words Hal Jordan were on our first date. Um, wow. why, why I got a second, I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Scott, is that the same way for you uh, with your wife? Like, you know, when you're representing, you know, look, I'm, I'm podcasting about a TV show where the superhero has a gorilla as a nemesis. Uh, well, <laughs> my wife listens to this show. Uh, <laughs> oh, hi. Um, no, I mean... Um, no, Jen's very uh, invested in all this. I mean, we're we're both probably somewhat equal uh, as it relates to our comic book knowledge, uh, as far as the tie-ins are concerned. But because I'm involved in Assembly of Geeks and this program, you know, I do a heck of a lot more research and backstory research on things, so I have a better comprehensive. A sense as to what I'm watching, and I just always share that with her, and we're usually on the same page as we watch everything. So, um, you know, she's she's interested in all this as well, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I talked about that on the on Assembly Geeks a couple weeks ago. That uh, I'm very glad that she is. So, I mean, you know, we're 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 very much alike in a lot of ways, and uh, uh, we're both kind of just on the same kind of comic book, comic TV show, comic movie journey together. So. Yeah, see, my, my wife page. is my wife is always open to things, but she has a, a fairly short attention span. So if something doesn't win her over, then she's just kind of done. Like uh, she will, you know, it's really interesting. She will watch, um, she'll watch the Flash with me when I when I have to watch it. Like if I have to watch it live, if I don't get a screener and I have to recap it or I have to review it or whatever, or you know, I watch it every week for the Easter egg thing that I do on, on ComicBook.com, like. She'll watch The Flash with me. Um, she'll make me go upstairs to watch Arrow because she just doesn't have any interest. Um, and and so to like it's 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 very much like she's willing to engage with this stuff and she enjoys some of it. You know, her favorite movie of the last five years was Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> this became but, uh, this become like a secret anonymous media board. Like this is how our <laughs> wives react to geek talk. Like I don't you know I'm not married. I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But you know the only people the only woman I can talk to about like get you know those reactions from that's my mom like she she laughed a little bit when i said oh that's eobard fawn she said his name is eobard i'm like yeah that's a name to you i'm like well the la- the other week you thought elicity was the, n- the name of of a character not a ship but oh lord my mom i'm shipping oh my god no but um but shall we get into some uh, listener <laughs> feedback before we um before we ran out of time of course. Yes. Um, <clears throat> we have um, some comments from um, listeners on Twitter and their response to this episode. Uh, Isa Mortenger says, probably one of the best episodes of the season and holy plot twist, Batman. <laughs> uh, Derby Kid says, the twist, the spark, the fantastic ending, or fantastic editing, I apologize. Uh, the reveals, the trap was an absolutely masterful episode of tv j beauty seven says fantastic episode tonight the show had my mind warped the whole night aside from my headache that's awesome 
Uh, Crispy47 says, that was the best episode yet. What does Eobard have in mind for Eddie? Love the way Iris figured out Barry's identity. And Mike Schmidt09 says, the episode we've been waiting for. Eobard is more evil than we ever realized. What could Barry have done to him? And Alex Waverider says, enjoyed every minute of it. Loved Eddie, uh, the reverse flash meeting, hashtag West Allen, Cisco, name dropping Iris, West Allen, uh, Green Arrow, Hot Girl. Also, Iris, West Allen, finding out, seeing Captain Singh again. The list goes on. It was all around a good episode. And finally, Jaden86 says, the last 15 minutes was probably the best I've seen since the time jump. Hashtag Team Flash. I'm so glad he didn't, that Eddie did not get to do his proposal because Mrs. Iris West Vaughn is... <laughs> that, that's not a good, good combination. No. Yeah, I, I was thinking <laughs> that actually in the episode. It's, it's funny because... Uh, Barry's reaction. I, I, He's like, she's probably yeah, going to need... <laughs> I, I almost wonder if that is why... Um, if that's part of why they decided it was, it would be an interesting thing to explore to pair her up with Eddie in the first season, because like you can use something as simple and basic as that, as the fact that the name just sounds terrible um, to, uh, to evoke a response in the audience. Yeah. And no West Island forever. That's uh, uh, I'm that's, you know, that's my Bible. So uh, uh, anyone who gets in the way, Get the f out of get the f out of the way because I need this to happen ASAP. But um, but was that was that all the response we got this week, Scott? Yep. Awesome. Well, um, well, we're gonna now just do the regular thing of doing our links and our plugs. Um, uh, first of all, Russ, thank you so much for for stopping by. Uh, yeah, of course. We, we need to do this more often. Uh, tell us everything about comicbook.com and where people can find you and the website and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm the senior staff writer at comicbook.com, and we are uh, most people who watch this show uh, and and interact with with the the media have probably seen our stuff at one point or another. Um, uh, we you know we're just a news and uh, news and features website that covers the comic book industry and related media. Uh, Every week after the flash runs, usually about a half an hour after the episode airs, you can find uh, an article that I write, which collects up the DC Comics references and the pop culture Easter eggs and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it's always pretty self-explanatory because comicbook.com being the name means that I don't have to repeat the website a bunch. Um, you can follow me on at Russ Burlingame and, and I'll trust you guys to, to link to that rather than me spelling it out on the show. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I, I, I've stopped being a freelancer. I, I'm, I'm officially on staff now, so I don't have nearly as much stuff to pimp anymore as I did when I came on for season zero. And I was like, yeah, and I'm here and I'm here and I'm here. That's like, nope, uh, this is all I do right now. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're welcome to pimp as much as you want. You know that. Well, I just don't have anything anymore. I, I do. I, I, I have a, <laughs> I have an ebook coming out in November. Oh, um, sweet. So that'll be, uh available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and it's going to be called the gold exchange. Um, it is a collection of 
five year, no, uh, almost 10 years of columns um, where I interview various people inv- involved with the Booster Gold mythology. And I'm going to be putting it together and putting it out as an ebook to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Booster Gold uh, nice. later this year. Well, I, I better get. I better expect to get a copy that is autographed. Then, if I ever make a hard copy, I will make sure to do that. I, I really. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't care. You're gonna make one for me because my my birthday is gonna be you know a month after that because my birthday is in October. So yeah, that will be a great November present. So yeah, I'm not giving you a say in the matter. So. Um, <laughs> well, re- remind me before remind me before San Diego, and as long as I actually have the thing finished and edited by then, then I'll I'll try to uh, go to Kinko's for you. Okay, good, good. Uh, Scott, talk a little about Assembly of Geeks. You had one hell of an adventure a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, and let me first say that all of us at Assembly of Geeks love comicbook.com. We often share things from comicbook.com, and we always have uh, news uh, that we discuss regularly on the program, and that site has come up on more than one occasion. So I definitely have to... Uh, let Russ know that. I really uh, appreciate it. Being the like old man at that site because I've been <laughs> I, I'm the only writer who's been there for like five years. It's like yeah. it's so gratifying when I actually hear that because I remember when I first came on board that nobody knew who the hell I was. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You're a celebrity, yeah, now, but, Russ. But we, uh, <laughs> we, yeah, I did literally the most comprehensive, if you want to call it that. Um, coverage of a, of a convention that I have at any point in my content producing career um, for Star Wars Celebration. Um, I, I did a variety of things and uh, produced content from all four days and then after that um, uh, posted audio from uh, a Q&A with Ashley Eckstein and a press conference with the cast of Rebels and then I just recently posted uh, interviews with some of the Star Wars book narrators and uh, author Jeffrey Brown and all of that is available um, on assemblyofgeeks.com the show itself, now that I'm back home uh, will go live again with a new episode uh, this week and uh, we will be talking a little bit about celebration, but we're also bringing on board um, to talk with us this week uh, a writer named John Wentz, uh, who uh, writes for Popular Mechanics. And we're going to have a discussion on how that little droid from The Force Awakens, BB-8, actually functions. The little ball droid and how that head stays on top of the ball as it moves, because that was one of the big reveals at Star Wars Celebration this year was when they uh, literally had BB-8 roll out onto the stage in front of everybody, and it freaked everybody out. It was quite a moment. Did you get one for me? Get one what? BB-8. BB-8 comes out in December. They're $150. Okay. So. <laughs> well, great. That will so, be a great uh, Christmas present. I will, I, will, I will buy you Flashpoint and Crisis then, so you, you can buy me BB-8. The, the, yeah, the company Sphero, I believe, is the name of them that helped um, them build this droid. Are making little BB-8s for the holiday season. So, it was so uh, cute. we were we were talking about how kind of ironic it was that when the Phantom Menace came out, everybody had to, everybody was out trying to find Darth Maul figures, and this year it's going to be BB-8. Um, and also the other thing about Assembly of Geeks ironically, is, both characters that come in two pieces. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but one you can put back together, at least if, if it happens to the character, I suppose. Uh, we're also launching a new uh, podcast uh, in the coming days called Comic Book Noob. 
And uh, the point of that show is, uh, as we pointed out on this show many times, because I'm one of these people, there's a lot of uh, folks out there whose main reference for a lot of heroes and comic book storylines is cinematic universes and TV shows. And sometimes they don't know where to go to get kind of the backstory information on uh, certain characters. And if they're interested in going out and getting comics, they don't always know where to start because it's a little overwhelming. And we're going to try to help people out on the show by bringing people on that are very knowledgeable in those topics. And we're going to do um, a character each show. And we're looking to start off Comic Book Noob with Ultron um, since that's very timely um, because we figure there'll be a lot of people that – you know, we're going to go see that movie and no. perhaps we're who's going to know a little more about him. <laughs> There'll be a few people that go see that film. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe five. So, yeah, yeah all I, that's happening at assemblyofgeeks.com. I'll tell you guys my deep, dark secret that uh, we'll, we'll see if it changes in the next year or so. As of present, I have zero plans to go see Captain America Civil War. Okay, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I, I yes, yes, so we um we we can continue our banter after the guy. Now you piss now you piss me off. Wink, wink. No, but you can find the podcast at theflashpocket.com and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and mine. Find us under the flashpocket. Simple as that. And what I really want to want you guys to know this week is that. DC TV Podcast, which is kind of our podcast family now with Quiver Podcast, Let Us Look Off, um, Supergirl Radio, and us, we're going to make a little announcement later this week, and we really want you guys to, you know, follow it along and be part of it, because it's something that is very important to all of us, so stay tuned, follow it at DC TV Podcast, with an S at the end, and on Facebook, and then, you know, DCTVPodcast.com, so we will be making this announcement very soon this week, at the time of the recording, um, and yeah, you can find us on iTunes, and such a radio, um, just like with the Semdom Geeks, and the Flash Podcast is there, and um, we would love if you could take a few minutes, just leave a rating and review on the, on iTunes, that helps, uh, helps us a lot, and that will play a big part in our giveaway that's coming up. And, um, yeah, if you have any questions, email us at theflashpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're going to jump to the spoiler section. Uh, so, uh, Russ will, if you if you want Russ, stick around and we can speculate like crazy. Uh, Scott will be taking, will be saying farewell for, for this week. Uh, farewell. Be, because, well... For now, for now. <laughs> I said, um, no, I just said farewell just to back it up. <laughs> yeah, and and then Leia says, "I love you," and you go, "I know." And I'm excited for episode seven. Never mind. So we Scott will be back with us next week as always. So uh, before our t- all our teammates, Amy Marie, Lauren Galloway, Adam Holmes, Steph, Chris Duker, Amanda B. I'm Scott Murray, and we will see you next week on the Flash Podcast.
Rod. I don't think it's a coincidence that this gorilla shows up at the very same time we're looking for Wells. Joe! Wells ordered Grodd to come after us to distract us. If I hadn't seen Jurassic Park, I wouldn't be nearly as frightened right now. All new this Tuesday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And welcome back to the spoiler section of The Flash podcast. Uh, what you just heard was the audio for the trailer for next week's episode of The Flash called Grodd Lives. And here is the official description. Grodd returns. Barry must deal with the reverse Flash's latest threat uh, to a member of the group. To make matter worse, Dr. Wells unleashes Grodd on the city in order to, to distract Barry and the team. Joe, Barry, and Cisco head down into the sewers to catch Grodd, but the gorilla quickly gets the upper hand after he kidnaps Joe. Iris and Barry have a heart-to-heart. Dermot Downs directed the episode written by Granny Godfrey and Kai Yu Wu. So, this is the big gorilla episode that everyone's been waiting for. You know, the Flash finally comes face-to-face with this mysterious gorilla, and, you know, even though I I was hoping that they would not do something like this in the first season, I kind of hope that they would save it for next season. Gorilla Grodd is just so freaking cool to look at. I'm so dying to see this. So, um, Russ, um, based on the trade that we saw for next week's episode, what are your speculations? What do you, you know, what have you, you know, what are you looking forward to the episode based on, I don't know, interviews that you've done with the cast lately and um, and all that? Well, it's, it's funny. I'm doing my, my Gorilla Grodd interview tomorrow. I'm talking to Jesse Martin about next week's episode. So, uh, so in a perfect world, I would have I would have been projecting it after I talked to him. But I, I mean, I think some of it. It's funny because some of the stuff you can project is pretty easy to guess based on this week more than on the trailer. Like, yeah, obviously the heart to heart that Barry and Iris are going to have is likely about the fact that she's figured out that he's the Flash. The member of the team who's getting threatened is obviously Eddie, uh, and 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 so it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing. Like the 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 ad has been so broad heavy because we're finally getting the payoff um, that it's almost like the trailer tells us less than just kind of common sense. <laughs> uh, you know, the the trailer is much more action oriented than the average Flash trailer. Like there, there's a little bit less uh, plotty 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 story story story. Uh, than we usually get, so it's it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how they do this. Like like we've talked about all season long, like the idea of doing Grodd is great because it it conveys the tone of the Flash and this idea that like they they just don't shy away from the comic book nature of the character and the comic book nature of the property. Um, and so I think that honestly, just seeing the character done. And seeing the character taken seriously uh, is is the thing that I'm going to be the most interested in. Um, I, I'm, I'm certainly interested to see how much plot we're going to get versus how much is going to be just running around the sewers, sewers fighting gorillas. Yeah, exactly. You know, because you know, even though the effects are amazing on this show, just because you can do amazing effects doesn't mean that you can spend that much money every time and in, in every scene. So I, I'm guessing maybe 25% will be grod centric and then the other thing will be about barry and iris and i think it's, it's gonna be a good heart to heart even though she's gonna be upset and she's gonna have these feelings i feel like this is a conversation that, that just needs to happen because that way we can just move ahead afterwards and then start to heal the process and that's a good thing we're getting towards the end of the season so during the hiatus of course things are gonna repair themselves so that by the time we come back they will be yeah you know i still have a few issues with you but 
I forgive you now because you know you are here. You're actually saving people, so you know, it's, you know, it's maybe we don't want the drama, but the, the sooner we can get it, the sooner we can go back to normal and actually have somewhat of a harmony. But, you know, I'm looking forward to see how Eddie gets out of the situation and if he will reveal to Barry what his connection is is in in the fawn lineup if you know is he i'm still under the belief that he is harrison's father you know it, it'd be interesting um if so it'd be interesting to see how they do it because i think that it's been pretty clearly implied that he's from the distant future but it wouldn't be totally unrealistic because of course barry and iris lived in the distant future in the dc universe for a while too so yeah, but um, is there anything else you want to add, like you know, speculation-wise and so on? It was a pretty, it was a pretty straightforward trailer, so it wasn't really much that we could say about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that all the speculation that we have has been has been done all all season long. It'll be interesting to see how, they how execute it. The, yeah, how they execute it, how the general plays in, because obviously we've seen what most people perceive to be the general under the mind control of Grodd. Wait, wait, wait. Um, He's in the episode? Uh, not as far as we know in this trailer, but I, how he plays into Grodd's larger story, I think it'll be interesting. I think we will probably see Clancy Brown in this episode because we've seen him in all those trailers, and it's like, well, where the hell else is he going to pop up? Um, but well, there is that, know, there's that big... That. There was some photos released, the official photos, of someone... Yeah, the, in... the guy in the helmet. Uh, he looks like he could. He looks like Clancy Brown's size. So I'm wondering if he, you know, beneath his yeah, damage or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly the shots that we've seen of him, like the the thing where he was like he hasn't shaved and he hasn't combed his hair and he's wearing the wife beater and all that. Um. Certainly, it like it looks like when we see him next, he will be damaged in, in some way. Hmm. Okay. Well. We will we will find out more um, in in a week. So um, so guys, thank you so much for listening. And Russ, thank you so much for coming back. It was um, you know we had I had a blast with you in season zero, and I had a blast with you here. And uh, uh, hopefully, I will have you around for you know late, later in the summer as we do some summer coverage. Yeah, one point five or whatever. <laughs> How did you? That was that was what we were actually gonna go with. So well, it makes sense with the Arrow two point five comic and all that. Well, but we will be for free. We won't cost you know a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, the digital comics is doing is actually really interesting. I wish they would actually refer some more so, some of the things that actually happens in those comics, like King Shark attacking the Flash. But yeah, but we have a gorilla. It's fine. So guys, thank <laughs> you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. So until then, may the speed force be with you. <laughs>